For too long, the fertility market has been bewildering, overwhelming, and frankly, I think has downright ignored the needs and difficult experiences of the people they're supposed to be serving. Ovum has made it their mission to change this completely. Now, I am extremely choosy about who I promote on this podcast because I'm very protective of my listeners and audience, which is why you've probably only ever heard one spoken ad like this before. So it's with complete confidence, excitement and pride that I can share this amazing company with you. Ovum care about you, truly. From creating products to support conception and fertility that are designed by doctors and backed by the latest science without cutting any corners, from adding access to meditations I've personally written and recorded inside their pregnancy test boxes, Ovum is founded by individuals who've navigated infertility themselves. I really couldn't be more proud to partner with them and tell you about them. Ovum is driven by the belief that everyone who is trying to conceive deserves better, and I am 100% behind this ethos. So head over to startwithovum.com and use code LIFERAFT10 for 10% off their tests and supplements. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's okay if you don't know what to say, but don't try to fill that void with unsolicited advice. Hello and welcome to Fertility Life Raft with me, Alice Rose. This podcast is for you if you find yourself longing for a baby and then finding that the path to bringing them home is not easy. It's for you if you've had enough of feeling like you're losing sight of yourself because that's how I felt too. And it's also for you if you're supporting someone going through this and want to understand a little bit more. So welcome to a totally safe space, honest conversation, real and raw stories shared and a little bit of topical stuff too because I really believe it's not all down to you to get through this. The world needs to catch up too. Hello, welcome back to the show. Such a pleasure to have you with me and I hope you're having a good week so far. Good day, whenever it is, whether you're listening to this in real time, you're listening to this in the future at some point. I hope that this finds you well. And I, there was just one thing I wanted to say before I get on to sharing this week's guest, who is amazing. Very excited to have her. Um, but the, this one thing that I wanted to say was that, and this will happen multiple times, so I think it's relevant whenever you listen. There was like a, a little bit of a thing, like a bit of beef that went on in the social media community, the infertility community on on Instagram this week. And I won't get massively into it because I think, you know, it's actually really important to recognise when when something goes a bit toxic and when something just goes a little bit, um, yeah, like there's debate and dialogue and then there's just people who are really, um, you know, expressing a lot of very strong opinions that might trigger you. And if you're using Instagram or social media as a place to go to for support and empowerment because you're going through a really difficult time and you're not really up for the debate and the dialogue. And sometimes you might be and that's great and that's fine. But as long as you're feeling really uh, centred while you do it, um, 
you know, you don't you don't have to get involved. So if you see something going on, some beef going down, <laughs> you know, it's a diff- it's a difficult one because fertility is such a nuanced and personal and sensitive topic, isn't it? So we have to always lead with self-compassion and we have to always lead with um, curiosity, absolutely, keeping an open mind, sure. Um, but when it gets to the point where there are many, many, many messages which don't feel very supportive or empowering, we can just make a very conscious decision to remove ourselves from it and not have to get involved. Um, so you probably have no idea what I'm talking <laughs> talking about here, but I think this really goes for any kind of situation that you just don't feel comfortable in. It's really, really okay to say, I don't really want to be here anymore. I'm just going to remove myself. See ya. Um, and I, of course, it's not it's not quite as black and white as that. And sometimes it's much more complicated and difficult to do that. But just worth entertaining the idea that we can actually decide what messaging and what people we want to engage with um, if we're looking for support and empowerment. So that's that. Let me introduce this week's guest. I was so excited when I approached Samantha Bush to see if she might be happy to speak with me and I was really, really moved by her honesty and openness uh, when we did have a chat. Um, I was very excited that she was able to squeeze me in because she's got a, a, a very a very glamorous and uh, exciting life. Um, she's also in the US, so we had a little bit of a time thing there, but that's all good. She is an author, an entrepreneur, a lifestyle blogger, philanthropist, and co-owner of a professional race team, as you do. Uh, she's also wife to NASCAR champion Kyle Bush. Um, and together, Samantha and Kyle also run the Bundle of Joy Fund, which aims to remove financial barriers and provides monetary grants to people who need access to fertility treatment in the US. Also, her book, Fighting Infertility, was published just earlier this year. So I was really looking forward to having a great chat with Samantha because I thought, I wonder who this amazing girl really is. Like, what what is she like? You know, because you can't tell from an Instagram feed. You really can't. And we had such a lovely, open, honest and genuine talk. And I, I hope you really get a lot from it. And here she is. Hello, Samantha. Welcome to Fertility Life Raft, which is my little podcast. It's such an honor to have you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to chat today. Oh, thank you. And I'm sorry you didn't know that this is potentially going on. It's okay. <laughs> but the it's no makeup thing works, right? <laughs> I like it. It's like you look beautiful. Um, so I know there's so much that I'd love to ask you about. And I thought we would just share, if you wouldn't mind sharing a little bit about your story and what what brings you to the fertility space. Sure. So, um, well, as some of my friends like to say, uh, worst club, best members. But we have been in this infertility space for almost a decade now. Um, when I was mid-20s, we decided we had been married for a while. We wanted to start trying to have a family. And, you know, we're very excited to start that chapter in our lives. And So just started trying naturally Um, after a few months and that didn't work. You know, I was being told, oh, don't worry, unless it's at the year mark, you're fine. You were on birth control for a while. Started doing all the things you could do at home, right? Like the ovulation uh, tests and just whatever 
old wives tale was out there we tried and and still no luck and so then I started having um just some like flare-ups like whether it's acne or hair falling out or my periods were all over the place even though the ovulation kits kept saying like you're ovulating you're ovulating and I was like what is going on it's been almost a year so finally was able to get uh, the OBGYN to say like, okay, we'll see you now. And right away they found out I had a PCOS within ultrasound and then blood work confirmed it. So from there I went on Clomid and after four or five cycles, that still didn't work, which they were like, oh, we really thought that would be it. And so we got referred to a fertility clinic at that point. So now we're like 16 plus months into this. And, um, I remember we got there and they said, okay, well, where's your husband's paperwork? And I was like, well, no, I have the issue. And they're like, wait a second. He hasn't been tested. And I was like, we were just so confused. We're like, no, why I, I have the issue. And so once he got tested, uh, we found out that he had male factor, um, which is now why I'm a huge proponent of before you're even going to start trying, you need to know the cards that you're dealt. Um, because, you know, at that point it had been, once you get started 18 months and, and that feels like forever. Um, and, and we could have saved so much time just by knowing those key points, which, you know, now a decade later, there's so many at home kits that you can do that are easy and, you know, not very expensive and you could get results quickly. So that's helpful. Um, but then from there, we went through IVF, we had our son Brexton, everything was phenomenal. And in our head, we just assumed that IVF was almost a guarantee. Um, and so a few years later, when we opted to have, you know, another transfer and try again, we just, it never crossed our minds that it wouldn't work. And so unfortunately from there, um, we had a miscarriage with our second cycle a failed cycle with our third transfer, a failed surrogate cycle with our fourth transfer. We went through another egg retrieval um, this January, got pregnant in March, and then um, our little girl, they think divided. And then we lost that pregnancy around nine and a half weeks. So since... <laughs> Since the one success, it has just been um, super downhill since then. Um, and it's hard. It's hard to wrap your mind around it. I feel like I try to do everything in my power from supplements to diet and exercise to acupuncture, everything. And it's, it's really difficult when, you know, your embryos are great at high quality. They say your uterus and lining are good myself and a surrogate have tried so it's just it's difficult mm, oh I'm so sorry to hear of your latest loss and oh. everything that you've been through it is heartbreaking and I, I think you know also I wonder how it is for you with being in the public eye a little bit as well is that difficult um Honestly, because the infertility community is so amazing and special, it's really actually helped me to be able to form like these bonds with other people and to be able to reach out to other people in the community and just ask questions and get their advice and, you know, share our stories back and forth. Um, so I will say, you know, it's definitely 
depressing when you have to post like we had a miscarriage or we've had a failed cycle, but also their love and support just really helps because sometimes even though you know so many other people are going through it, it can still feel really lonely. Yeah, and it's in that moment, isn't it, that you need the support. Yeah, and just the support of other people who know exactly, you know, what the medicines are like, what the side effects are like, what things feel like. So I just, I feel really blessed to be able to have like such a strong community to turn to. Mm, oh that's amazing um and within that community you know you've become a really strong and incredibly positive voice despite everything that you've been through which is amazing um and you've had your book which has come out this year tell me a little bit about that and what was that like writing everything down um well the book actually started so many years ago when we were trying um even before we went to a fertility clinic I was just kind of journaling to get my thoughts out and to understand like just pour it all out somewhere. Cause at that point there wasn't these Instagram sites, there wasn't the podcast. So it felt, you know, very isolating. Um, and so that's, I could really say when the book started, um, but it was exciting to write it. It was nice to be able to put everything on the paper and to just release it all. And it's been amazing getting feedback from women saying like, I felt that too. I experienced that. And then there's a little part in the back that's kind of like a advice section, which isn't just for me. I worked with like therapists and other women in the community. And I think that people not going through infertility have found that helpful. Like, let me understand, you know, what they're feeling or what I should say or what I shouldn't do. And so I've just seen, you know, a lot of positives in that manner. Yeah, incredible. And I love that I was looking at everything that you were saying about the book and that one of the things actually that you found was that you and your husband developed a stronger relationship as a result of everything you went through, but that it it wasn't always, um, you know, didn't go instantly from into a strong relationship. Tell me a little bit about how you manage that. Yeah, I mean, marriage is hard and fertility makes it more difficult. And I think you just have to really fight for it and work at it and understand like what each person's feeling and how they're grieving differently. And, and, you know, we talk about the support of a therapist and how that really helps. Um, And so I think it's been good because I think a lot of couples, you know, they just might feel like they're the only ones fighting about something or not feeling understood by their partner and just being able to see that they're not alone helps kind of validate those feelings. Mm. And it's so, and, and now that you're in your position now, how are you managing the relationship um, after going through everything that you've already been through now? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely difficult days where, you know, it's, it's very sad experiencing another miscarriage, but being aware of just kind of maybe how each person deals with those feelings a little bit better and having that understanding and compassion helps. Yeah, I think compassion is maybe the key element in all of this, isn't it? And not just for other people, but for ourselves. Right. Of what we like to tell ourselves, which is so often really not positive stuff, right? I think so, yeah. I think, you know, it's really easy to be like, you know, why is my body failing or what am I doing wrong? But, you know, I think as you follow other women's stories and you see that everything on paper could be perfect and it still just doesn't work and it's nothing you did and there was nothing you could do to change it. And you just, it's, 
it's easy to get down on yourself, but trying to stay strong and to stay positive throughout it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that idea that we do and try so many things, and that is what happens, isn't it? I I, I did the same. I tried everything, and nothing was working. And then it's really difficult when people will say to you, "Have you tried this, that, and the other?" And you're like, "Yes, yes, <laughs> I've, I've tried, tried it everything." Yeah. yeah, it's definitely difficult. I mean, I do find like advice from the fertility community of people who have gone through it is helpful, especially for things like you know, after egg retrieval recovery or different, maybe holistic approaches that they took in conjunction with their IVF. But I kind of caution people both on social and in the book, like, it's okay if you don't know what to say, but don't try to fill that void with unsolicited advice, especially if you're someone who naturally got pregnant, no problem. Like, just saying, oh, just relax or just go on vacation or, oh, I got drunk and got pregnant. Like, that doesn't help somebody who's tried it all. And so I always tell people, it's totally fair to say, I don't know what you're feeling. I don't, I haven't had to go through that, but I'm here for you whenever you're ready or in whatever way you need me. Yeah, that's just completely it. It's just, just let them have that space, let them have that time and and try not to like bulldozer in with your, (laughs) with your ideas. That was one thing in the book too, with working with some therapists, we discussed setting boundaries and how it might feel like an awkward conversation, but it's better for both parties. And in the long run, it's less awkward. Um, And so like I've had women reach out about baby showers for maybe, you know, family or friends. And I told them like, you can't just not show up or you can't show up and like be mad or upset and not explain to anybody. But I was like, you know, your sister-in-law, if you call her and just say like, Hey, look, we're going through infertility issues and, and go as much into it or as least into it as you want, but just say, it's a trigger right now for me to attend a baby shower. Like I love you and I'm happy for you, but I'm really sad for me at the same time. So like for my mental health, I'm going to stay home. Like that's completely fair. Um, and I always tell my friends who have gotten pregnant, you know, through our trials is like, I'm not unhappy that you're pregnant. I am so happy for you, but so jealous for like at the exact same time. And it's nothing for you. Like I wish nothing more in the world than for women to have an easy, healthy pregnancy because like, that's what all of us want. And so I always tell them, I'm like, don't be afraid to tell me, like, I'm so happy for you while at the same time being like, oh, I wish I could have that too. But it doesn't like, take away my love for you 100% so yes boundaries I think are key in this and I think it's really important that we um normalize putting them in place because some people are scared to and they don't want to come off as um you know seeming a bit harsh or something but actually it's much stronger and braver to say these are my boundaries and they're here for me and for you Completely. And, you know, I've had a lot of people that are like, I'm worried to say it. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. And I'm like, you're not going to hurt their feelings because they're probably looking for that guidance from you of, well, what should I say? How should I approach it? Should I invite them to these things? And so I think it almost makes it easier for everybody. Yeah, I think you're right, because it's just open communication, isn't it? And actually, the more that we can be a bit more open with our friends and family as we go through this and just say, do you know what, this is what I need at the moment, the closer they're actually going to feel to you, even if you're not 
you know physically present at their baby shower or something correct you know there's that there's that channel of communication where you kind of have that connection and that is much better yeah Yeah, exactly it's much better than kind of sitting there like on the brink of tears thinking I really don't want to be here exactly exactly I and that's what I told people like there will be sometimes in your journey that you feel like oh yeah I can go to that I'm at a place where I feel like it won't be a trigger and there will be times that you don't yeah and it's just checking in and making sure that you know you're you're aware of what stage you're at at any given time right yeah. Um, so another thing that I loved that you said came through when you were writing the book is that um, you had a more a deeper faith. So how important is your faith to you? I think it's extremely important in all aspects of life, but especially, you know, you're going to have those times of like, why me? Why God? Why us? And I think, you know, just finding a good devotional or church. Um, we found a church that I just love. And just to have that sense of connection and somewhere that you can kind of go to turn your problems over and get that guidance and feel like filled up. I feel like sometimes when you're going through struggles, you just feel so empty. And then when you go to church and you kind of hear that word and that message, it really just kind of like fills you up and lifts your spirits and helps you keep fighting through each day. Mm, yeah so for you because I'm so interested in like what what people have in what I call their life raft so when things are really difficult like what is it where do you go what do you reach for and it's different for everyone so for you your faith your church that's obviously a, a really important to have in your in your life raft yeah I'm really working right now with our church to start like an infertility support group um just because I think that it's so important to have those connections and to, you know, I love social, as I've mentioned, for those connections, but also that face-to-face interaction. And I think especially after, you know, 2020, so many people are craving that like in-person actual connection. And especially with such like a deep topic of infertility, I think it would be great. And just to have, you know, the support of the church and that message behind it as well. Um, I think that's definitely in my life raft. And then definitely therapy is a great way, whether, you know, again, it's in person or there's actually like specific fertility coaches, especially online, um, just somebody who you can walk through things with and understand. Yeah, I've actually just finished my coach training. So that's something that I'm also doing, which I, and I think, you know, what I've learned through doing that and what I learned from my own experience and through talking to so many people is how massively important it is just to validate your experience right and 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 just to have that and so I absolutely love that you're you know working on those support groups and working on yeah god we're all craving face-to-face connections right now yes yeah and I think you know it's just so important to have those people that you know are in your corner and to be able to have um somebody to just share like god's word with you and to really there's I don't know how else to say it. Like, I, I think I've said it, like you just feel so empty. And when you're able to receive those messages and to have that support around you, it really just fills you up and it helps you whether, you know, you're grieving or you're moving on to another step. It's just, you really need that. It, I mean, nothing about infertility is easy. So you have to like do everything you can do to find that comfort and that love and that support to manage it. Oh, I could not agree more. And I I think what kills me and what I, what I, you know, why I do what I do is to try to help people understand that it's not, you're not weak for needing support or you're not 
broken or you're not you know you you're going through one of the most challenging experiences and not only is it super challenging personally but it's also quite misunderstood in the wider society so i've heard a lot of um times with talking about disenfranchised grief so if you have a a, a failed cycle you're grieving but it's really hard to explain why you're so upset to other people yes yeah, it definitely is difficult because a lot of people, you know, with our failed cycles have been like, well, but you weren't even pregnant. So it's not a big deal, right? And like, but there's so much time and effort that goes into a cycle that it is a huge loss, even if there never was a baby formed, it's still a huge loss. And that is hard to explain to people, but it's a very real, you know, aspect of this journey. Mm, yeah. And so, so yeah, I love that you're so active in helping people to find that support and such an advocate and oh my goodness and of course your incredible bundle of joy fund which is just amazing I mean how does that make you feel that that's helping people have babies it's incredible I mean it's incredible and frustrating at the same time um it's frustrating that there's not more infertility coverage so foundations like us have to exist to help people um because what I don't think a lot of people understand is we are giving out grants to hardworking people that generally choose jobs to better their community. So they're school teachers, they're police officers, they're firefighters, they were in the military, you know, people that choose to put their community first, but then when they want to turn around and have their own children, there's no support for them. And so that's really frustrating. Um, but being able to raise money and give the grants and know that you know, you made a real impact in somebody's life because a child is such an amazing gift. Um, it's incredible. My favorite is when we do like play dates for the Bundle of Joy Fund and all the kids get together and watching our son play with them is just, it, it's everything. That I can't imagine how that must feel. I mean, I think I read somewhere there's it's over 40 babies that have come into the world. Is that Almost right? 40. Yep. We're almost right at 40. Um, it's, it's just so amazing to follow the parents on Instagram and just see how their lives has changed and to see the happiness and the joy and the excitement. Um, because obviously like I know what that is as a mother and seeing Brexton grow up and hit different milestones. It's, it's like the most important thing in the world to me. And it's like what you live for is to see them happy and to see their joy and to see them like learn and grow. And so to know that other people are getting to have those same experiences because of the foundation, just it makes everything that I've had to go through with infertility, like worth it. Like I wouldn't want to change what's happened because by going through it, we started this fund. I love that. And I think that that's such a key message as well, is that anything that you do go through is as, as horrendous as it can be and as painful and as much grief as you can feel you know there's something there's something that we can take from from every experience in our lives isn't there for sure I think that you know it's it's really easy to get really down and depressed during all this um and I definitely have you know those days too but whether it's starting a support group or starting an online group or just joining a group or telling somebody what you're going through to maybe help them in their journey if they've just started. Like it's, it's really powerful to be able to walk with somebody through all of this. 
Yeah, and I think that's another reason I think you're just fab, Samantha, because I, oh, love, thank you. I love that you're you're really passionate about helping women live empowered lives and particularly, you know, I love that it's it's I love I think there was something on your website, all women to live their best lives and that you can be powerful and feminine. How does infertility play into that message and that passion of yours? I honestly think for any woman going through infertility you are so much stronger than you know. I mean, when you look back on what you've had to face and overcome and still keep moving forward, it's very powerful. And I think it's really easy to feel defeated or broken or less than when you're going through infertility. But when you take a step back and you're like, okay, I've gone through this and I've faced it and I'm still fighting and I'm still here and, and I'm still you know, going that that's an accomplishment in and of itself and something that you should be proud of. Mm. And tell me a little bit about how you are managing because there is something isn't there about secondary infertility when you have a child, and then you're going through all of this, again, that misunderstood thing where people are like, well, you know, you've got your son, so it's fine. And Yeah, that's been something that's been really difficult and something that I do see come up a lot on social is, um, you know, oh, you already have a child, like, basically, like, I'm not grateful for him. And I'm like, that's the complete opposite. Like, I am very grateful for him. And I feel very blessed. But I also see the pain in him for, you know, being left out sometimes for not having a sibling, whether, you know, it's, at a birthday party and everybody else has an automatic playmate or you go to the beach or you go to an amusement park and he's odd man out because he doesn't have somebody and it makes him really upset and so as much as I'm fighting for it for you know us like it's also for him and it takes away nothing from how much I love him and so that's really hard when people are like oh you have one like you should just stop and be happy like I'm like, but that's not fair. And I also tell people, and I actually literally put this on my social the other day. I said, you would never walk up to a woman in a grocery store pregnant with a child and say, I can't believe you you're pregnant again. Like, is that one not good enough for you? How dare you? And that's, I'm like, if you don't understand it, that's fine. Just either don't say anything, but also don't put that on people going through infertility. Um, it's the same with adoption. You know, I think adoption is a beautiful thing and it's something we've looked into. We're not there yet. And that's fine. It's not fair for people to say, well, since this can't happen for you naturally, you just need to adopt. There's other kids and you're being selfish by going through this. And I say the same thing. You would never go up to another couple trying that can get pregnant naturally and say, that's not right. There's other children already born why did you get pregnant? That's not right. And, and that's what I try to talk to people about. Like any journey you choose is beautiful and it's your choice. And so if adoption is in the cards one day, then we'll embrace that. And we'll walk through that journey when we're ready to, but it's not for somebody else to tell us like, this is what we need to be doing. Yes. So often it seems to be that the the infertile community, for, for some people, they're like, well, that's perfect. These children need adopting. And here are lots of people who can't have children easily. Therefore, this is what should happen. 
And yes. it's just, as you say, every single journey is individual and unique. And and also, I mean, I've heard, I've heard a lot of people who know and understand a lot more about adoption and how complex it is. And, you know, the needs of the children. It's yes. so, it's so, that's where the focus needs to be. It's just not how it is. <laughs> right. I've spoke with a lot of women who have gone through adoption when, you know, just to see and learn about that. And it is amazing that when they also see things that say just adopt, it's a trigger and offensive to them because they're like, it's not this snap your fingers and a baby's at your doorstep. They're like, that is not at all what adoption is. And so when people basically water it down to be this like super easy, no problem, like, oh, here's a baby. They're like, it was money and time and tears and frustrations and, and a lot just to get to the point of getting to have a child. And they're like, so, you know, when people just talk about it, like it's, oh, no big deal. They're like, it's, it's really hurtful when you know what that process can look like. Yeah, the journey everybody goes on is so unique, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, there was one other thing that I really loved that I saw that you were writing about, which was about, yeah, when you were saying about your book, that there was a real, um, like that you both found some humor humor through the tears I think you said how important is that light relief for you when you're going through all of this yeah I mean you have to try to find just something I don't want to say I don't know how to explain it but it's like the medicines the doctor's appointments the blood draws like it all is so heavy and so wearing so when there is a moment that something funny happens or something good happens you need to like stop and appreciate that moment because there's so much going on and it's such chaos that you just have to stop sometimes and laugh when, you know, things might not go your way or you might, you know, have a funny incident that happens and appreciate that like, okay, you're on this journey. It's not easy. It's not fun. But sometimes I try to focus on the little bits of positives that happen to help you get through it. Mm. Oh God, yeah, it's just crucial because I think if we don't, you ju- you can't see the wood for the trees. Sometimes it's too it's too much, and you almost have to you have to take yourself out of the experience sometimes just to get a bit of perspective as well, and to have just yeah to have a to have a break, right? Right. Yeah, I completely agree because. And that's what I always tell people too, who are getting ready to start IVF, like do not look at it all in one big picture because it is just scary. Just take it day by day, step by step. Like don't worry about your transfer when you haven't even started meds for aid retrieval. Like you just got to go one step at a time or else it just, it's so much to wrap your mind around. Oh yeah. That was my biggest, like number one thing that someone said to me when I was going into it all. And they just said, seriously day by day and that stuck with me I was like all right and I really did it I really was like I'm just gonna be here in this moment and I'm just gonna be and it's you know what it's hour by hour sometimes if that's what it takes because because the problem is that we get so um scared when we go too far into the future of like what may or may not the what ifs yeah exactly what if this doesn't happen what if I lose another baby what if what if what if and then it just gets so scary and so stressful that you you that you you feel like you cannot do it because it's right. it's too much so the more that we kind of rein that back in and just go it's fine I'm just here and I'm gonna be you know doing my thing day by day <sighs> like you can breathe right yes 
Yeah. And it doesn't, you know, it doesn't overwhelm you as much. Like the whole thing is overwhelming. There's a lot of hormones going on. So don't cause more anxiety to an already stressful situation because there is nothing that you could do about three months in the future for embryo transfer until you start this part. So start this part, get through that, check it off your list, then go on to the next. Mm. What? Are, how? How are you? How do you do that? Because I know that some people. I mean, we've all got our. I think our little things. How do you manage to stay present and stay day by day? Yeah, I think you know when people are like, "Oh, is it easier each cycle? Is it easier each failure?" emotionally, you don't know, they all still hurt in their own way. But the way that you approach it every time you have to go through a cycle, I feel like you get better at it, if you will. Um, So like, obviously, the first time it was just chaos, and I was overwhelmed. And then this time I was like, okay, so I had my chart from the doctor, I like to handwrite it myself and make my own charts. I know there's like all this great stuff online, but I'm old school, like I want my own pen and paper, I want to put an x by things. And just take that step, then see what happens, then go on to the next step. And so I think that's what I've learned every cycle is it's much more manageable when, you know, you don't overwhelm yourself. And then the other thing is when you don't let it like all encompass your life, like every single aspect. So still, you know, go out with your girlfriends, go to your workout classes, like, focus on your kids, your marriage, all those things, instead of letting it like dominate every thought and every conversation, because you will just get swallowed up by it. If, if that's kind of the mindset that you have. Mm, oh yeah. I remember getting so swallowed up by it. Whereas, and you know, to the point where you, you can't think about anything else. Right. And, and you're consumed and you get obsessive and neurotic and it's like frightening. Yes. And that's, that's how I felt. I definitely was the first time. And then you know, by this time, the fifth time, it's kind of like, okay, meds, whatever. Like I used to like plan my days around my shots. And now I'm like, okay, you know what, if I'm 20 minutes off, it's really not the end of the world. Like I used to be like, to the minute we would have to give a shot, you know, and now I'm like, in in all honesty, 20 minutes here or there is not, you know, like, I'm not going to rush home from something or just bring it with you. It's fine. Like just a little bit more carefree about it, um, which is hard to do, but I mean, gosh, by your fifth cycle, I feel like I'm just like, Oh yeah. Walking around at needles, walking around meds, not a big deal anymore. So how do you find the injecting? Is it okay? Um, my husband does it. I cannot give myself a shot. I've tried multiple times. I, I can't do it. I've, I've tried, or my mom was a nurse for 30 years and she lives really close. So I have been very fortunate that I don't have to give myself shots. I think that's, um, I'm really happy that you've admitted that. Cause I remember like in my first cycle of injecting, I think I just, I couldn't do it. I just, I said, this is like that moment where you're like, I oh, know I can't, I can't do it. I yeah. My, my hand shakes, like I get all sweaty and I'm not even like, really that nervous anymore for it because like you you know you have to go through it you know what it feels like but when I try to do it myself I'm like panicked all of a sudden it's like a response that must be like subconscious because in my brain I'm like I'm fine I can do this it's such a tiny needle it's not a big deal but then when I get there my body is like does the complete opposite (laughs) yeah (laughs) and that's cool you know I think 
we would have a tendency lots of women would have a tendency to be like oh god I can't even do this for myself I'm empathetic and it's like it's no no it's fine if you don't if you if you if that's difficult for you to get the help you need and that's just like a tiny little example and it might be anything yes I completely agree get the help you need don't make this harder on yourself than it has to be yeah and I love that you were saying as well about therapy being so amazing and transformative for you I just think it's so important like and not everyone I guess will need it but I mean I certainly found when I got to the point there was a certain point in my journey where I think I had a consultation and the consultant was like well you're clearly very stressed we're going to refer you to counseling and I was like I'm not stressed I'm absolutely fine and they were like no you need you need to see a counsellor and I was like okay um and then I got to the counsellor and just floods of tears but just it was so it was such a relief because I just thought I think I got to a point where I felt like I couldn't speak to anybody because I didn't want to either burden them or I didn't want them to um you know say something annoying back or I I just needed to talk to someone who understood yeah and sometimes it's hard to want to talk about things because you feel embarrassed in a way about certain things and you know it's it's hard and I think that a lot of times I felt the same way with my friends or family. Like I was just feeling very overwhelmed and very upset about things. And I didn't want to talk to them about it. Like you said, to burden them or, you know, like I didn't, I'm close to them, but it's like, you don't, sometimes it's harder to open up to people you're close to than, you know, like a professional. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I don't know what that is and why we find that hard, but yeah. Definitely. I think that's if it's once removed, it takes a layer of something away. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how to explain it, but I feel the exact same way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's been so lovely talking to you, Samantha. I'm just just want to make sure I've asked you everything that I want to ask you. Um, <laughs> I love. Oh, yes. There was one other thing that I love from your blog, which was that be your own advocate um, piece that you wrote. So important. It is so important. I feel like, as I mentioned in the beginning of this conversation, we wasted so much time because I was talking to our OBGYN and I was like, hey, you know, can I get tested? Like, why isn't this working? And it was just like, oh, weightier, weightier, you know, not a big deal. Um, And it's hard. And I think now with all the resources that are out there, both on social, on the internet, like I mentioned, there's so many at-home kits that can test hormones and ovulation and and all those things, you are so much better equipped to know what's going on with your body um, and to be able to talk for yourself and be like, look, I have this test. It's showing that this is off or, you know, it hasn't been a year, but I'm young. I would like an ultrasound. I would like to know so I don't waste time. Um, And I just think that so many more women are speaking up about their healthcare and about their bodies. And it's really causing like a great big change. And I I think it's wonderful. Yeah. Oh, so important. And there was something that you, yeah, something that you wrote, which was said, you know, your body and what's normal. Right. Just because somebody else gets a period every so often, you know what it's like, or I, you know, I was, um, telling the doctor one time, like my hair is falling out and they're like, Oh no, it looks fine. I'm like, but I see my hair every single day. And like, there used to be hair here. And now there's not like, I I know this because I I see myself every day. And so that's what I meant by that is like, just because 
you might not follow textbook standards, you know what your normal or your standards are. And so you're better equipped to do that. And one thing I always tell people is like, write it down because when you get to the office and you have a limited amount of time, sometimes you get like flustered or scrambled. And so I always write down like all the questions I have or all the things going on. And then I sit there and I'm like, okay, wait, before I leave the office, okay, wait, I didn't ask you this. And then once I'm like, okay, now I'll go. Like I've gotten all my questions answered because if not, you get in the car, you're pulling out and you're like, oh, shoot. Like I totally forgot to ask that. And, you know, by then it, it's too late. And so I, I always tell people, speak up, ask your questions, come prepared. Yes, definitely. And I love, yeah, that whole, like, you know, what's normal for you. And the fact that you were like, I had hair here and now I don't yeah. have <laughs> That's it. Like they, they probably, as you say, they look at you, they're like, oh, you look fine. Yeah, I'm sure you did. But also no, because that's not your fine. And that's, yeah. So, right. and I think if there is something that you feel like is a miss, you're like, hmm, this doesn't feel right. If something doesn't feel right, that's when you have to just have some confidence and be able to go and take it to somebody and just say, please, can you just give me what I need? Have a look at this and tell me. Um, right. I think having said that, all about have your notes, make sure you ask all the questions. <laughs> I'm checking my notes and I think that I've asked you everything that I wanted to ask you and I'm going to I'm going to let you go. But Thank you so much for your time and for your honesty and your vulnerability and like everything you do. It's just amazing. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for creating this. I mean, I think having things like this that women can turn to and listen to and gain, you know, just a little, even if they learn one tip for their journey to make it a little bit easier. That's why I constantly speak out about it. So thank you for all that you do too. Oh, thank you so much, Samantha. Where can people find you? Where can they find your book? Um, so my book's called Fighting Infertility, and it's on Amazon, Target, Walmart, you name it. Um, and then I'm just at Samantha Bush, B-U-S-C-H, on all social. Amazing. Everyone, go and follow Samantha. She's gorgeous and glamorous and powerful and feminine at the same time, which I love. So thank, thank you. you. <laughs> thank you so much. What a woman. What a woman. Um, thank you. Thank you so much, Samantha, for your time and your, your openness. Um, do get in touch if you have listened today let me know what you think let me know what your takeaways were let me know what was helpful let me know what you want to hear just yeah keep in touch i really love hearing from you genuinely genuinely so come and find me on instagram this is alice rose my website this is alicerose.com don't forget i have lots of stuff on there that is really helpful mindset stuff little meditations i'm going to be bringing out lots more as well so do keep an eye on that um and come and follow me um it's always wonderful to see ratings and reviews as well. So if you haven't yet left me a rating or review, maybe this is the day. Maybe this is the day. Uh, just pop on over to iTunes, Apple Podcasts and scroll down where you can, um, yeah, just pop, pop your five stars in right there. <laughs> um, the reason I bang on about this all the time and that everybody who makes podcasts bangs on, on about it all the time is that it, it's the way it's, you know, it's the way people find out about things. 
And somebody left me a message underneath my last podcast podcast promotion um, post on Instagram to say that this podcast was her fertility life raft. And it, and if that was you, then thank you. It it literally made my day when I saw that. So I really appreciate it. And what the reviews do is help more people find this so that it is their life raft. And I really I want this to be like a safe, literally a safe harbour, so you can come in and just know that you will always hear something uplifting and supportive and empowering and I really hope that there's a little piece of like golden information that you can take away and use for your day and your life um, because that's what it's all about so thank you again it's an honour to have you every week if you're a regular and if you're new then thank you for joining me and it's so great to know that you're there Take care and I will see you next week.